This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. It's great to see you this morning. If you're online, thanks so much for joining us. Today, we're wrapping up our series in First Peter. We're gonna um, kick off Christmas next week. Some of the stuff in First Peter 5 we're gonna touch on in a series next year. And so uh, today I wanna talk to you uh, about, uh, but before I do, before I have gotten things out of order, forgive me. Um, hey, as we touch, as we think about our Christmas, first service went awesome. You guys are the difference. I blame you. And so uh, laugh with me, folks. It'll all go better. And so um, our Christmas offering as we end the year, each week we're sharing with you a different um, aspect of what our Christmas giving's going towards. Uh, it's very common in churches like ours to see 30 to 40% of your um, annual revenue come in in the last two months of the year. Every year at the end of the year, we have some special um, emphases, people that, that we're funding our benevolent giving, helping Afghan refugees, which will help you more, uh, share with you more next week. But part of what our end of year giving's going towards is helping us finish our balcony. Um, most weeks, one, at least one of our services is close to standing room only. And so our goal is to finish that balcony before next Easter. Lord willing, we'll have the balcony done and that'll add close to 300 more seats so more people can hear about Jesus every week. And so as you um, pray about what part God would have you play and our end of your giving, um, we are grateful for your generosity. Now back to the message. If you have your Bibles, go over to 1 Peter chapter 4. As we wrap up this series, uh, we've, we've seen a handful of different themes in 1 Peter. We called the series Aliens because Peter uses this word, aliens or strangers or exiles, to, to reference the fact that, that the people he's talking to, he wants them to know, this is not your real home. This is your temporary place that you are passing through. We're citizens of another kingdom with another king, and we see that these are people that are experiencing incredible suffering. And so uh, suffering well is a key theme in 1 Peter that we've seen. He talks about how, how do we live as followers of Jesus, and so this holiness theme, and then we talked about this, this different way of doing relationships. Relationships marked by not having to get our own way, but, but relationships marked by submission. And another one of these themes that Peter talks about a lot in 1 Peter is the second coming of Jesus. And I want to talk to you about how do we live today? How do we live while we wait for Jesus to come back? First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. Peter says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you, should anyone have some people over this week and you grumbled about it? Kind of got, got, got out of earshot of the family and said to your spouse, I can't wait till they leave. Did that happen for anybody? He says, offer hospitality without complaining. Each of you should use whatever gift you have to receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so 
Peter begins the, by saying the end of all things is near. It's actually appropriate that we're talking about this on this Sunday, the first Sunday of what's called Advent. Now, maybe you grew up in, in a church tradition where Advent was a big deal. Maybe, maybe you, like me, didn't grow up in a church tradition where Advent is a big deal. Anyone have an Advent calendar up in your house? Anyone have an Advent calendar going on? I don't know about you, but it feels like the Advent calendar market uh, an industry has gone to whole new levels. I've seen all these weird, I've seen like advent calendars for your dogs, like with little dog treats in uh, every day of advent. I've seen like little like advent, uh, like whiskey calendars, a little mini whiskey every day of advent. And had a guy after first service asked me where he could find one of those. And so uh, all these weird advent calendars now, seems like an overdone thing. But you may not know this, but Advent really originally had really nothing to do with Christmas. Um, and in fact, at the, in the earliest times of Advent that, that we see, in, in, in the fourth and fifth centuries in Spain and, and Gaul, which includes modern-day France and Switzerland and, and Belgium, part of northern Italy, it was a time leading up to the Feast of Epiphany, which is in January, a time when Christians would celebrate the coming of the Magi, a time Jesus' baptism and his first miracle at Cana. And so there would be this 40-day period leading up to this date that, that wasn't even at the end of December, it was in January, where, where they would think about, the, um, about Jesus' incarnation, specifically the coming of the Magi, his baptism. And, this, and so these many times, this would be the day, where, where new Christians would get baptized on this Feast of Epiphany. And so there would be this 40-day period of fasting and, and repentance and, uh, to kind of lead up to this time. But it, and, so, and then what we see later is, is in the 6th century, um, but there began to be this emphasis on the coming of Jesus but really not at all about his first coming. It really began a strong emphasis in the sixth century with Roman Christians focused on the second coming of Jesus far more than they were focusing on the first. It was all about, hey, Jesus has come once, but he's coming again. And so looking forward to that second coming. So it really is timely that today as we kick off Advent, which is a time that we look forward to celebrating the first coming of Jesus, the incarnation at Christmas. But we also, even more so, are looking forward to his second coming. It really wasn't until the Middle Ages where Advent became closely connected to Christmas. And so Advent's this time where, where we look forward to celebrating the, the first coming of Jesus, but even more so towards the second coming. And so when Peter starts this off, he, he says, um, the end of all things is near. That word translated near literally means approaching. That literally what Peter's saying is that, that the return of Jesus could happen at any moment. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes I have these thoughts like, well, if Peter said it was near 2,000 years ago, why hasn't it happened yet? You ever wonder that? And it really, there's this, uh, anyone, any men here, um, you know, you have, you're gonna go on a date with your wife or your girlfriend. And she says, your wife says, I'll be ready soon. <laughs> now, after almost 25 years of marriage, I've come to realize that could mean three minutes or that could mean 90 minutes. But if I fully steer into this thought that, hey, it's gonna take her forever to get ready, maybe throw on some sweatpants, turn on a ball game, make myself some nachos, 
inevitably, that'll be the time it takes her three minutes. And then she's upset with me. My night doesn't end the way I'd hoped. (laughs) But there's this thing where Peter's saying, Jesus is coming back. It's approaching. And B, to live in this state of readiness. See, Peter, in his second letter, um, is beginning to hear these things. People are saying, well, gosh, it's, it's been 30 years. How come he hadn't come back yet? And then so Peter responds to this. Second Peter 3, he says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires, they'll say, where is this coming, he promised. They're saying, hey, it's been so long, he hadn't come. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But do not forget this one thing. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So there's two big reasons Peter's gonna give us why Jesus hasn't come back yet. One is that God's sense of time is very different than ours. He says, hey, it seems like a long time to us, but I want you to know it's not a long time to God. To God, a day is like a thousand years. God's sense of time is very different than ours. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The second reason that that Jesus hasn't come back yet is God wants more people to come into right relationship with him. The longer he waits, the more people that come into right relationship with him, which is that is God's heart. And so Peter says, hey, the end of all things is near. Now he's going to tell us, how do we live our lives in light of that? Here's the first thing. We live lives of focus. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you might pray. This this word rendered for be be alert and of sober mind, it it literally speaks of like, be in your right mind. Similar language is used when Jesus casts the the demons out of the guy that we would have looked at and said, that guy's got over-the-top mental illness. Jesus cast these demons out. Then it says he came into his right mind. Mind. He's literally speaking of like mental clarity, of, of, of having your right mind. And so here's what, what Peter's saying. Live your life with this sense of alertness and focus as if Jesus could come back at any moment. How would, your, how would you think differently if you really believed that Jesus was gonna come back in the next few weeks? My, what would happen is your thoughts would be filled with thoughts of him Thoughts of matters of eternity. You would be, what Jesus talks about, loving God with our mind, where our thoughts are filled with thoughts of him and his goodness and his purposes. Have you ever thought about how many things we think about that aren't gonna matter in five years? Pretty much everything on social media and the internet. And the stuff that we think about that's not gonna matter in 50 years, and the stuff we think about that's not going to matter in 500 years or 5,000 years. He, He says, hey, Jesus is coming back. Let that reality guide your thoughts. That he would be the focus of your thoughts the way he would if you knew he was coming back very, very, very soon. And then he says, this kind of focus will affect your prayers. Have you ever tried to pray and you're just too distracted? Like you're trying to pray and you're praying for your sick relatives and then you just start thinking in your mind like, gosh, mac and cheese sounds good for lunch. (laughs) 
And then you're praying for, for you know, the missionaries, and then you're like, what time does the ball game start? Now, it could be because you're ADD like me. But I think it happens to a lot of us because our minds are distracted on stuff that really doesn't matter. And so what Peter's saying is he's saying, think thoughts the way you would, knowing that Jesus could come back at any moment. Pray prayers the way you would, knowing that Jesus could come back at every moment. See, if I really believe that Jesus could return at any time, my prayers would be different. I'd pray more. I'd pray with greater passion and urgency. We've all had moments in our lives where we're, we're in such a jam that we're so desperate for God to come through that we pray with this great passion and urgency. And if I really believed that Jesus could come back at any moment, I'd pray more with greater passion and urgency. And I'd pray with different priorities. Listen, it's awesome that, that there's nothing so insignificant that God doesn't care about it in our lives. And that those things that aren't gonna matter in five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, five months, five years, that, that God still wants us to pray for those things. And, and that you've got a stomach bug that, that you're gonna probably get over in a few hours. God's fine with you praying about it. He says, cast your cares upon him, me, because I care for, for you. And so it's nothing so insignificant that God doesn't want us to pray about it. But here's the truth. If the bulk of the things you pray about aren't gonna matter in five years, or 50 years, or 500 years, you're definitely doing it wrong. And that's our tendency, is, is, to, is to make the focus of our prayers the temporary and the tangible. But if I really believe that Jesus could come back at any moment, it would change how much I pray, it would change the passion with which I pray, and it would change the priorities of the things I pray about. And so, so Peter says, have, have this different kind of mind that, that's sober and alert and recognizes that Jesus could come back at any moment. Here's the second truth. If I'm gonna live with, like, realize that Jesus could come back at any moment, I'll live lives of love. Let me show this to you. First Peter 4, 8, he says, above all, love each other deeply. Now this in the NIV says, love each other deeply. In the English Standard Version, it says, love each other earnestly. The New American Standard Version says, love each other with, with fervently. We, we see this, uh, uh, this other, in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it, it says, have this intense love for each other. It's this Greek word, ektenes, and it denotes this idea of straining with all of your might. In, in ancient Greek literature, it was used a, a, of a horse running as fast as they could. There's this idea uh, where Peter's saying, with all of your might, with this earnestness, this ferventness, this intensity, love one another deeply. He says, above all, he says, more than anything else, this really, really matters. I think there's a few reasons that, we, that this is true. Obviously, this really just ties into what Jesus said that life was all about. He said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God with your whole self and then love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the commandments really come back to these two. That's definitely part of it. This is just a big part of life. And then obviously it ties into what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, that without love, all this other stuff really doesn't matter. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. He, Paul says, hey, the way in which you love, it matters more than how gifted you are. It matters more than all this great stuff you're doing for God. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor, 
He says, if you are incredibly generous and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but don't have love, I gain nothing. What, what Paul here is saying is this love thing matters more. And so, so Peter, he says, above all, love one another deeply. And so I think that part of this command is simply because it's just what life's about, loving God, loving people. Part of it's just this priority of love that we see all through the scriptures. But, but Peter says specifically in light of the fact that Jesus could come back at any moment, love one another deeply. Now, I think anyone that's a parent with multiple kids knows that at the end of the day, there's really nothing you want more than, than for your kids to love each other well. And that really nothing, if you really love your kids, seeing them be unkind to each other, especially as they get older, little kids are going to squabble. And, you know, Michael, our three-and-a-half-year-old, I mean, he just feels like he's supposed to hit his brothers. And we try to let him know he's not, and he, he feels hardwired like he's supposed to do it. And, uh, but as your kids get older, nothing more, you want nothing more than for them to love each other well. And there's almost like this image like, hey, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he wants to find his kids loving each other well. But he tells us what happens when we love. He says, because love covers a multitude of sins. See, the way in which we love, it'll bring a couple of things. First, It'll bring grace primarily to those that I know. He says, above all, love each other deeply, fervently, with a great intensity. He says, because love covers a multitude of sins. See, it's the people that we know that we know well enough for them to begin to really irritate us. Have you ever had this experience where within a 24-hour period, two people do something very similar to you? And when the first person does it, then maybe someone comments on the dress you're wearing. And that first person does it, and they, they say it to you, and, and, and you're like, oh, they're so funny. And then the next day, someone says almost the same thing, and you just want to slap them. Well, the difference is you probably really love that first person. Because above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. The way in which I can know that I'm loving deeply is if I'm not easily irritated. If I'm not easily offended, he says that the way I can know that, that I'm loving deeply is where forgiveness becomes easy and offense becomes difficult. He says, love one another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Love looks over those mild irritations and those mild offenses, doesn't get upset easily, forgives really easily. It's what it looks like to love one another deeply. And so he gives this instruction on how we love people we do know. And then he also gives instruction that applies both to people we know, but even more so to people we don't know. And then he says, and be hospitable without grumbling or complaining. Now, hospitality can include lots of things, but at the end of the day, the the, the word hospitable literally means to love strangers, the love of strangers. That's why someone who who, uh, works at a hotel, they'll say, well, I'm in the hospitality industry. What they mean is, I'm the manager of the Best Western. And when people come to stay there, I act like I'm happy to see them, even though I don't know them. They are strangers. Now, in the ancient world, the hotels that did exist were really of ill repute. And so what was very common in the ancient world, for Christians specifically, is, is, is you could be in a place and if another Christian came into the town and, and maybe they were going to be there a week or a month or a number of months, even if you didn't know them, you'd say, hey, even though there's six of us living in this one or two room situation, why don't you come and stay as long as you want to? It's this love of 
strangers, this hospitality. Next week, we're going to talk about how in our Christmas offering, we want to make a big difference among these Afghan refugees who, who are here because they're displaced, because they were in Afghanistan, partnering with our government before we left. And then after we left, they found themselves in situations where if they were to stay, they, 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 many of them would end up being killed. And so they're here as refugees. Many came because with, with, with just the clothes on their back or just a simple bag, and now they're just having to start their lives all over again. And what we want to do is we want to say, we don't know you. We've not gotten to meet you yet. But the Bible tells me that if I'm living in this recognition that Jesus could come back at any moment, I'm going to love the people I know with this grace that doesn't get easily offended and, and, and doesn't get easily irritated and forgives quickly, but then I'm also going to, to love strangers. I'm going to be hospitable, and I'm not going to complain about it, this love of strangers. Here's the third thing. If I really believe that Jesus could come back at any moment, I'm going to live lives of focus that change the way I pray. I'm going to live lives of love, people I know and people I don't know. And then I'm going to live a life of service. Let me show this to you. First Peter 4.10, he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. He says, maybe you have gifts of speaking. He says, maybe you have gifts of of service or helps. And he says, do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of you. And part of what he does is he gifts you to make a difference. He gifts you to serve. And so God's given you spiritual gifts. God's given you abilities and talents, and, 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 it, and it's, but it's not just for you. And he says, hey, so recognize Jesus is coming back soon. And when he comes back, he wants to find you loving, thinking thoughts of him, and he wants to find you serving. In Galatians, I love how Paul talks about it. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Now, Paul's primarily talking about the freedom we have because of the gospel. The fact that we've been set free from the law of sin and death. We're no longer under this law and where we're always finding ourselves breaking this law and in sin and therefore death comes. Jesus has set us free from all of that. He says, you've been set free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. He says, don't use it just for you. He says, rather serve one another humbly in love. And you know what it made me think about? It made me think about this freedom thing through a different lens. Obviously, there's this spiritual freedom. That's what Paul's primarily talking about. But it dawned on me how many of us at Life Church just have incredible freedom, whether that's financial freedom because of financial resources. Maybe it's the freedom that comes as a business owner where one week you have the the choice, you're gonna work 25 hours this week and you're gonna work 65 hours next week. You got this freedom over your schedule. And thanks to COVID, so many of us working from home, not having to be in an office and punch a time clock, there's this flexibility that many of us have, this financial freedom many of us have, this, this autonomy over our own schedule that many of us have. I don't know about you. It seems to me, and I'm happy about it. It's a good thing. If this is you, I'm glad you're here. But it feels like we have experiencing the Nevada invasion of the California semi-retired person. If that's you, we're glad you're here. We, we love strangers. The Bible tells us to. We love strangers wherever they're from. If there were no Californians here, it would just be me and Claire and a handful of Texans here. And so, uh, um, so we're glad you're here. But hey, listen, if you're in that moment of being semi-retired, or you're in that moment of being fully retired, that freedom 
is not simply so you can become a semi-professional golfer. Now, feel free, golf, but don't just live a life that's for yourself. You've got this freedom to serve. Now, here's the truth. If you believed that Jesus was gonna come back in the next few weeks, are you gonna golf more? Or are you gonna serve more? He says, the end is near. Jesus could come back at any moment. He's waiting because God's timeline's different than ours, but he's waiting because he wants more people to come into his kingdom. And so fill your mind with thoughts of him. Let it guide your, your prayers. Live lives of love, but live lives of service. Give your life away in service. Make your here for a short time to make a difference. And so if you believed that Jesus was gonna come back soon, you would make a big difference in serving with your life. Let me give you a couple of quick opportunities that you can do this in the next few weeks. At Life Church, we have this ministry called LC Cares Foster and Adopt. And, and our goal in that ministry is to come alongside families at Life Church that are uh, foster parents or adoptive parents, but also really to, we really want to become and are becoming, but there's so much more for us to do. We want to become the go to in Northern Nevada for, for families that, that are fostering and adopting and needing support and care and partnership. And we, we want to see that happen more and more and more. And, and so here's something that's happening. On December the 11th, where we're going to have a night where, where foster parents, both at Life Church and around the city, can drop off their, their foster kids and then they can go Christmas shopping for like four hours. And so we're looking for volunteers who, who would come up here December the 11th from 4.30 to 8.30. It's four hours of your life. And love on some kids that, that Jesus says that when you love kids like this, you're loving me. It's the least of these. And so we're gonna, like, we're gonna play games and make crafts and just have a great night with them as an expression of love to them and these foster parents who get a night off because we're willing to serve. You can sign up for that on the Church Center app. Here's another opportunity. This one is easier. If you're only gonna pick one, pick the first one. In the Monte Ranch over the last few years, they've done this thing called the Circle of Lights. And so uh, are people that, that there's a, this trail that goes around the wetlands and people in the money ranch whose houses back up to that are encouraged to decorate the back of their house in a really cool way. And people come from all over the valley to come for this circle of lights. Now last year it was canceled because of COVID. Typically there's like this kickoff party that happens at the park where they'll have Santa and live music and there'll be food trucks and, and stuff. And then people go there and then they go and walk around the deal. And, and I've met people that drive from Spanish Springs to come to this thing every year. Now last year it was canceled for COVID. This year the city has said, hey, you can't use the park. And so Life Church is gonna host this kickoff party just as a way for us to love our neighbors, uh, to, for us to love strangers well. We're, we're gonna have cocoa and Christmas cookies and live music. It's gonna be a ton of fun. And so we're, we're about 50 volunteers to pull this off, December the 18th from five to seven. And again, you can sign up to volunteer on the Church Center app. But here's this big thing. If you believed that Jesus could come back at any moment, you would think more thoughts about him that would guide your prayers. You would love passionately. And then you'd give your life away in service. You wouldn't live for yourself. Let me ask you this question. Are you living your life in light of eternity? 
Jonathan Edwards, one of the great thinkers in the founding of uh, the early season of our country, he made these 70 resolutions that were, were designed to guide his life. And honestly, if you read about five of those, you're like, wow, doing five of these, it seems a lot. He had 70. Let me read you three of them. He says, I am resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Second one he said, a similar topic. He says, I am resolved that I will live life so I shall wish I had done when I come to die. I don't think anyone on their, like, in their deathbeds is going to say, you know what? I wish I'd spent more time on Instagram. If I'd just been on social media more, my life would have counted. That felt harsher than I meant. I meant it like 60% harsh. It came out 65% harsh. Um, Resolve, here's the last one. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be more than one hour before I should hear the last from. Edward's there saying, says, I want to live my life the way I would live it if I knew Jesus was coming back in less than an hour. That's what Peter's saying here. He's saying the end of all things is near. He says, have your thoughts focused on this, pray with this in mind, love with this in mind, and serve with this in mind. That's how we live while we wait for Jesus to come back. Let's pray. So Father, we just realize it's so easy to get, live lives of distraction, live lives focused on the temporary and the tangible. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to live lives recognizing that you are coming back to judge the living and the dead. And God, may we live lives with this recognition that, that it could happen at any moment. And God, that it would guide our thoughts and our prayers, that it would inspire us to love with full intensity, people we know and people we don't know. And God, would it inspire us to give our lives away in service. God, that we'd focus our lives on things that are gonna matter five years from now, 50 years from now, 5,000 years from now, and forever and ever and ever. God, may our lives be focused on the forever things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and we'll see you soon.